Merry Christmas and welcome to another mailbag episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. This is Adam speaking and I'm here with... Dan. And... Terry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Terry was taking a drink. I was drinking my first Dr. Pepper in... I don't know, five years or something? And... Um, I'm halfway through already. We are here doing another mailbag episode, which means 20 uh, listener questions that have been sent to us, almost all of them through Instagram, and we're going to be answering them uh, to the best of our capability. Remember, guys, that the questions are literally anything because we said we will answer anything. So... Oh no, Dan Brace for impact. Did I say I don't remember saying that? I no, I, 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 I think uh, you, you actually guys... said you will take anything. So and then we made that, a joke that, about that. That wasn't about mailbag. Questions. <laughs> Was that the other? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, okay. that's the other podcast about Dungeon Masters. So oh, God. So this is going to be mostly about fifth editions, Dungeons and Dragons. If you guys remember last mailbag, we had one entire table from Alexander and other Skip Davis. Mm. We still have a lot of his questions mixed in randomly, mm. but he's not all one table anymore. So uh, you guys can choose. We've got black, red, and white dice. Each one of them has a 20 uh, option random table. So we're going to be rolling them and we're going to be checking them off as soon as I can find a pen as we go. And we'll be, uh, uh, where's intern day for this? Intern David. There we go. Perfect. So I'll be checking these off as we go so we don't get any repeats. Otherwise, we roll again. And uh, shall we roll for initiative to see who gets to ask first? We sure. always do. Oh. I threw my Terry's dropping his balls. Uh, dice. I got a six. Adam got a seven. Dan got a ten. Dan. Um, so you I, get to choose at your own purview which one of the three dice, and then I'll read a question to you. Cool, cool, cool. Um, you know what? The black dice just treated me really well, so I'm going to use it again, and I will roll a natural one. Yeah, see? So, yeah. <laughs> you never roll it. This is, I don't know if you know, you have to, if you roll it, you can't roll that die again right after you have to roll another one. I have like a loading system in my dice tray, which is like a mega magazine, and then I just got one. You are the male it. Laura Bailey. Right. That's a hell of a compliment. Yeah. yeah anyway, I, the one. Fine. We have Eldon Tenor wants to know a good way for killing the party in a satisfying way. <laughs> satisfying for who? Well, Were the party's satisfied with how it went, and they're not. That's what that's what I got, guys. So, what do you think? Uh, and, and before we say anything, we mentioned this in mailbag one. We answered the question about how to do the best kind of TPK, and we essentially all agreed, don't, don't, yeah. right? Don't be looking for fun. Yeah to, yeah, to torture your players and kill them. If you are the kind of DM that's patting yourself on the back for killing an entire party, you probably shouldn't be DMing, or you should be in therapy. Maybe both. Yeah, uh, that's kind of where we landed last time. But let's let's talk about killing the party in a satisfying way. I like where you went, Terry, with the from a player's perspective. Right. Yeah. At what point is it satisfying for the entire party to go out at once? Um, it would have to be a. Uh, this is the end of the campaign, or there is a. Uh, tonal shift that you're doing in the campaign that requires the entire party to die everyone roll up new characters and now we're um moving to either uh exact vengeance or or um recover the bodies of our fallen dead heroes like there would have to be a really good narrative reason for the entire party to die for me to be okay with it um I really don't like that idea as a general rule, just pulling the rug out from one of the players. Hey, you've worked for two and a half years to get to this point, and all your guys die. Haha, <laughs> I fooled you. Yeah. That just feels like a real yeah. dick move, right? So I think... Sorry, Dan, we keep going. 
Uh, no, no. I, for me, it needs there needs to be a narratively satisfying uh, way. And the only time I've ever seen a TPK do that um, was when we had more than half of the party or half the party moving out of the country. So, like, we needed to be doing a change because half the characters were not going to be in the campaign the next session. So we built up to this over 10 weeks, knowing it was going to end in some sort of new character shift. And that was the most satisfying TPK I've seen. That and even, it wasn't really even a TPK. No, everyone was kind of frozen and sewn, and then the next campaign was, all right, now go, yeah. go get them. Yeah. I think uh, TPKs are okay, and they're satisfying from a player's perspective, as long as the objective is completed and you still get that feel good. Whether it be, let's go for basic one, uh, saving, you did save all of the orphans and you got the last one out just in time, but you had to stay back to make sure that the monster does not kill them on the way out. Mm-hmm. If you're, be, if that, that sort of selfless act uh, where you true, you do feel like heroes, you do feel like guardians, um, I think that's satisfying. You can, you kind of take that one on the chin that, okay, well, we saved the people that needed saving. So. Yeah. Okay, my answer is going to be the exact opposite of what Terry just said. Just cause kill gonna, the orphans. K- k- kill the orphans. Because gonna, they're dying too if we're dying. Yeah, really, though, uh, in an evil campaign, if you just set up from the beginning, look, we're all on the same page, we're all going to be working together, uh, we've agreed that we're not going to fight each other, but then narratively or through NPCs, you say, hey, look, we're going after this MacGuffin, there's whatever the thing is, but there can only be one person at the end that gets it. Only one person gets to be king or god or whatever it is. And so they all work together to get to that last chamber in the dungeon. And then it's a free-for-all. Like that awesome movie where they're all on an island killing each other to see who survives. That's called Survivor. It's a yearly TV show. They kill each other in that, right? I I believe they eat each other, but I honestly tuned out after season one. I was leading you to say Hunger Games, and now I was going to go, no, Battle Royale, a nerd laugh, but you didn't get there. there, No, there's also another one called The Condemned with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm. Exact same premise. Is it good? No. What did I just say? (laughs) It's also Stone Cold Steve Austin. (laughs) All right, Terry, let's roll another time. (laughs) Choose which one you'd like. As soon as I said I knew. uh, Well, I'll choose Stephanie, so. (laughs) All right, so that's, that's the white die this time. She's pink, but we're saying white, sure. She's got white in her. Sure. Dad? What'd you get? Five. A five on the, on the white table. On the white table. At Thundertoss. I'm sorry. Uh, wait. So again. Again, wait. please. At Thundertoss. Someone's been reading my book of sex moves, clearly. <laughs> Asks, is that a Matilda reference? What would be your know. template for one-shots? How many decision branches would you have? Hmm. Oh, did that mean uh, I go first? Sure. Uh, let's, let's, um, let's do that. <laughs> is that what that means? I this is only the fourth one. We could still... Yeah, yeah, we're just going to make it up as we go. That's the thing. It's, the way you never episodes, know what you're going to get. <laughs> the way our episodes are broken up. Like, even every time we get to a dragon episode, I'm like, how the fuck does this go? It's been three months since the last one. Well, you see, you pick up the party, and yeah. then I'm, get, I'm getting... <laughs> you land on them, yeah. How many decision-making branches? Um, I don't mind it to be a little bit railroady if it's a one-shot. There's a time and a place for sandbox, and that is campaigns played out over months and months. If you're doing a one-shot, the party, the players, has agreed, hey, we're going to run this thing. We have four hours, maybe eight hours to get through it. Um, So decision-making branches is in sandbox style. Keep those to a minimum if you want your game to run on time and you want to achieve what you want to achieve and they want to achieve what you want them to achieve. Um, It's okay to have, say, maybe three doors they can open. Those kinds of games, remember those games where it's like you, you got to go, there's three doors, two of them are going to kill you, and then you go through one, and then there's two doors, and there's three doors. So I, uh, I have seen it. Yeah. Yes. So what, yeah. So what I'm saying is, 
different options may end up leading to the same place. And it's okay. Go left, straight, forward, yeah, but, right. Uh, as long as the journey there is different, right? That's what I mean. Yeah, so you can go down the left hallway, you can go down the right hallway. They're both going to come to the room at the end of the hallway. One is full of, of unicorns and the other full of dragons. That's it, exactly. Yeah. Or you're going down the river in the canoe, you can go left, look scary, you can go right, looks whatever. So I would say, yeah, give them different options, but keep it not as confusing for yourself by just making sure that they're all going to the same room, in quotation marks. It may just be a different area of the city. Yeah. Uh, but the yeah. paths all fork out the at this point, but eventually they yeah, all... The Destination is going to be the same. It's all right. It doesn't matter whether you go left, middle, yeah. or right. Yeah. Well, you have to realize that a one-shot is... The biggest problem with a one-shot is time. You are running on the clock. And you have players who are learning new characters or have built characters are coming in but are learning the attitudes of these characters. Um, not to mention you are trying to tell some sort of narrative story. And if you are running a grand uh, plot of a major campaign and this is somehow tied into the new world, you're trying to give little like presence to your players showing them, you know, characters they met with their main characters for, or something. So there's a lot you kind of got to cram in there, all within a limited time frame. So um, I'm with you on this one, Terry. Like, yeah, I have the facsimile, the illusion of choice. But for one shot, it should be mainly railroaded. Just because you're only there sitting down once. I mean, you don't want to give your players too much option to completely derail the thing that you've only planned one session's worth of content for. Mm-hmm. Honestly, look, I agree with you to a point. I never like the idea of of saying saying that, that you're not going to give the players enough agency, that that there's an illusion of choice. I always want there to be choice. And if the players, if if you set up a giant one shot with a, hey, we're all going to go fight the frog hemoth, and they're all like distracted by the freaking tree to the left with the yep. purple flowers, or what, what do the flowers do? And they want to burn an hour and a half on that. Are the players having fun? Yeah. Then this is a success. Yeah, no, you're right. And so that's kind of where I where I'm coming from. Uh, here's an interesting thought, though. I've never heard the the phrase decision branches before, or if I have, it was like a long, long time ago. And I've long since forgotten it. And so I'm sitting there thinking about like what Terry's talking about with going. Um, different paths in the dungeon or with Dan's talking about going, you know, there's obviously this one way to go. We all agreed we're doing a heist. So you start at the bank, right? Like (laughs) that's both of those are totally legitimate. What about doing a one shot? That's entirely role play guys, build your characters. We're at a ball and that's it. We're just at a, a, a glamorous uh, Mm -hmm. event that everybody's showing up for, and I've prepped a shit ton of NPCs. You guys can sandbox whatever you want at the ball, but the general agreement is no combat. Yeah. Yeah, that can still be wicked interesting if you're doing something like a like a murder on the Orient Express type thing or something. Yeah. Like that, or uh, on, yeah. on the airship. I, I could see that, and but that that's that's kind of the illusion of choice that I was talking about as well, is if you have like 35 NPCs they could talk to, but the end goal is solving the murder on the... No, but, but my, point is, is. my point is that there, there's no end goal. Is do what you want. Meet these NPCs and see what's going on. And you might just have little random encounters. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and at the end of the day, I'm just going to say, look, thank you for creating these. I'm going to use your NPCs and the ones you've interacted with in the main campaign in three months. Yeah. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Right, and so... You, 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 run, you run the idea of... Uh, or sorry, you run the danger of it being a little aimless if there is no end goal. Like no. if there's no reason for them to I all be at the ball. I would put weird little side missions in. I hear what you're saying, Adam, and I love this because I like fucking with people. I might have it like that. The, the, the uh, Harry gets me. The kitchen, <laughs> the kitchen staff will run off their feet and like 
the head chef comes out and says, I'm terribly sorry, we're running off our feet. Would you mind helping us out in the kitchen? Yeah. And just see how deep into it they go to see if I can get the barbarian to kind yeah, of five load it up with little, little side quests. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, no, shit, I'm with you. Shit like I'm that, with you. right? And that's what I'm thinking. Like, Dan shows up as a gnome because, of course, he does, but he looks identical to the prince. <laughs> but just Weird. No, 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 identical no, to the prince. Oh, no, okay. identical to the prince, except the prince is a Goliath, and I'm just an ugly ass bald gnome. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 like actually identical. What do you do with that? As a role player, what do you do with that? Right? I kill the prince and take a, take over the kingdom. No combat. I knock the prince out and hide him in a thing. Still no combat. I poison the prince. No combat, Dan. And poison him. With That's with it. with my poison arrows, you know, people, <laughs> a violent poison. Some people might argue that that's combative, but <laughs> whatever. But I think that it would be really interesting. I also like the idea of the murder mystery. That's a lot of fun too. Yeah, yeah. But at that point, I'm going to go get one of those murder mysteries in a box and just play that. Yeah. Fair so, enough. oh my god, we need to do that in a D and D session. Just invite a whole bunch of people over, and you can choose what race you're going to be, and then you smash mm-hmm. them all together and say, "Here you go," and actually play one of those box murder mysteries as D and D. Yeah. Somebody write that down. That's fucking brilliant. David? Write that down. David? God damn it. All right. Whose turn is it? It's my turn. Okay. I'm going with the black die. Noin. Noin. Uh, Colton underscore Adrian asks, will you be covering the new UA article, Class Feature Variants? All right. So Next question. No. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to be totally honest. Dan and I have been talking for months about doing a show of just covering all of the UA stuff out there. And honestly, it's really straightforward and a little bit dry. And we've had a couple of struggles. Your show is or the content? The, 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 content the content and the show. Where and you, a lot of the like content. We like to record a couple. <laughs> and the content's a little irrelevant too yeah. at this point. Like a lot, there's a lot of it, but it's old and it's obviously been bypassed at this point. Um, there's nothing that we can add to this conversation uh, that isn't already in a Reddit post somewhere. Yeah, or, or a YouTube video. Or... Right. And so we don't feel like we have anything new. If at some point we have something new to say about it, then absolutely we will. We are more interested in hearing what you guys think as you're playtesting it. Yeah. Than saying, hey, why don't you do it this way? Right. And it was actually really uh, hilarious because we did the Rangers episode. Yeah. And it would, we recorded it and two weeks later... They released this new Ranger variant. Yeah. And in the episode, I said, um, what if your uh, animal companion could be a swarm? And then that was the variant. That was the variant. They released yeah. a swarm and then, lord, yeah. And then we're like, well, shit. Because then it came out like the next exactly. week. Adam so. is actually uh, part of a very nerdy version of the movie Minority Report, where he is supposed to be saving lives and preventing crimes, but instead he's just... Uh, I just lay in my bathroom he's and just go, leaving. what if? He laid in his bathroom. <laughs> Range of variants. <laughs> cool. All right, I'm going to grab the red dice. Go for it. Nicola is 13 minutes away with our pizza. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Nicola. Not anymore. She's already done Oh, my God. I can't believe we've 15. done this. 15. 15. Thunder Toss sent us two questions, and I put them on different tables. This and always we hit happens. The people are yeah. going to think we only have six things instead of, I don't know, 20,000 downloads, Dan? Something. Oh, we're way more. I don't even know where we're at now. Damn. Uh, at Thunder Toss asks, what would be your template for session one? How much combat, social, or exploration, and in what order? Oh, who's going first on this one? Terry, you handle this because Dan and I already have an answer. Sure. How, uh, how much of each in session one? Yeah. Okay. And in what order? How would oh, you do that? Well, I'm going to... He's so excited. He, I'm going to forget yeah. that question, and I'm going to put it like, don't ever be looking for a specific thing. You put a, present a problem to the players. It is up to them 
what they do with it. For example, session one, everybody's level one. A wounded goblin hangs out of a merchant's cart on the street, on the, on the road. The merchant is bled out to death and all of his wares are all over the street. The goblin is wounded. It's up to you what you do here. You can make this some sort of explorative encounter where you basically just steal all the stuff and take it away. Sounds can, like I'm getting a pet goblin. You can kill the goblin and so spark the ambush. Or you can role play with the goblin. Don't ever force them to do one thing because then it, it doesn't. It becomes predictable for the players when they can see what you want them to do. But also the flip side of that is sometimes if you put a problem in front of them, if you're looking for a specific thing, they will realize this. And if they don't know what you want them to do, in quotation marks, you'll get that that freeze of all the players going, I don't know, man, what do you want us to do? But if you leave it up to them, if you put a problem in front of them, it's up to them how much combat there is. It's up to them how much role play there is. It's up to them how much exploration there is. The party is going to tell you what they want to do, mostly. But don't ever tell them specifically, hey, this is a combat encounter. This is a role play encounter. I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, but I'm going to give a little bit of a different answer. And Dan and I have been working on, because we were going to do this on Earth Arcana show. We got super excited about it. Did all the prep, did all the research, started to uh, organize and schedule and plan and work with artists and musical artists to, to create the new music and whatnot. And then decided that this neither of us are really excited about this. Mm. So instead, what we're doing, and it's already playing on... Um, that's the bathroom you're pointing at. Okay. No, on Thursday nights. I'm pointing at the calendar that's on the bathroom door there. <laughs> sure, okay. Yeah, so. <laughs> so. Dan's here. <laughs> um, we've decided that uh, we're going to build a campaign session by session. And, of course, from level 1 to level 20. And, of course, we had to start somewhere. And so our episode 5, after we've kind of built the campaign world and the direction of the campaign we'd actually build a session one yeah. and we uh, i think there were six encounters that we threw together and they were um they just get you from point a to point b and by the end you've got a party yeah right and uh and that's kind of our answer of how we would do it because we sat down and we did it kind of on air and and i'm excited that should be coming out in a couple of weeks actually okay 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 hold on this is adam in the editing suite doing a little bit of damage control we realized that we hadn't flipped to the calendar appropriately when we were having this conversation, and we were recording it weeks in advance, so our timeline is a little bit off. At the end of January, we will have recorded for an entire year and been releasing this podcast for an entire year. And when that happens, we will be launching our second show on the same channel. We'll be focusing on how to build a campaign, the first four episodes will be preparing the campaign, and then every episode we'll be able to take one session full of encounters, and we will walk you through not only what we do in our prep, but also why. We're going to start at level one, we're going to do a number of sessions at level one, and then move on to level two, and level three, and level four, using milestones and a basic timeline and hopefully enough inspiration for everybody to be on the same page and to be able to use our inspiration and our methods at any level. So, that is coming. It's coming in our year two, so we'll be launching this in the beginning of February. We're very proud and excited about it. You guys, if you're following us on Instagram or some of the other social media, you'll be able to see some of our little announcements. We are just bursting at the seams to talk about this and get it ready to go so this was a little bit of an accidental preview but we're going to leave it in because we want you guys to be as thirsty for this shit as we are now 
back to the regular mailbag episode. Next question. That's you. That's you, Terry. Oh, yeah. I'm going to roll the red table, please. That's the one in the middle. 16. Uh, this is from Pepperina underscore Sparkle Gem. All right. Asks, if you could sit at anyone's table from the Instagram community, who would it be? Oh, Pepperina, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. If I could sit at anyone's table from the Instagram community, who would it be? Dan's I... got his answer. He's so stoked right now. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Dan, you go, because I want to think about mine. No, no, no. I got a, I, I had a joke answer and be like, anyone but Pepperina. No, I just want to think about mine a little bit. No, uh, I, I, to... I, I do legitimately have one. I would love to sit down with uh, um, Cameron from D&D Coalition. Um, he's got a fun little table going. Uh, and from the snippets I've seen in the Instagram community, it's been lots of fun. Um, so either that or RPG Yogi. Like, yeah, the crit chicks look like they've got a great time yeah. when, when they play. I've actually watched a couple of their, and it's it's a lot of fun. And then there's the Crit Storm guys, which are lots of fun as well, um, and have been super helpful to us as a podcast as well, and I would just love to roll dice with them, just because we're buddy-buddy. But Nice. I uh, got three options. My answer is Deborah Ann Wool. Uh, if Deborah Ann Wool's game is an option, no, Deborah Ann Wool's game, I want to, yeah. I'm surprised you can go with uh, Joe Magnolia. I can never I, say his last what? name. I'm actually going to say Joe Magnolia for me, and, and it's not even... For Joe, and I'm sure he's a great guy. It's not even for his wife. It's phenomenal. Um, it's actually the room that he plays D&D in looks like I just want to live in it forever. Oh, yes. 100%. I'll be fine. I'll that, be fine. That, he, he has just my to, dream basement. Oh, it's incredible. So just for the room. I'm just using you for your room, Joe. I like it. All right. I'm going to roll on the white table now. Nicholas, four minutes away. I also rolled a one. Uh, Alexander and other Skip Davis asks, have you guys ever read the original B2, Keep on the Borderlands? Oh, yes. I'm currently playing through an updated version of it uh, with new 5th edition rules as well. I have not. No. I don't know much about the Star Wars fiction. Yes, tell us all about Captain Picard and things. Oh, what is it? That was a that was a like huge twitch that he just did. Man, that was what yeah. what is it? B two yeah. keep uh, B two keep in the Borderlands is an old module from Advanced Dungeons and Dragons days. Uh, it's one of the iconic uh, modules. Uh, it's it's fantastic. You are raiding the Chaos Scar. Um, it's it's which is you know right next to the keep that is on the borderlands of like monster territory mm-hmm. so it, it's it's lots of fun uh lots of giants and orcs and goblins and here's the thing about uh D and rpgs and stuff like this that people start to discover about me i'm actually the worst nerd in the world and don't actually understand a lot of nerd culture what i do understand is very creative things and presenting stuff and, and that that's really why i enjoy D so much but when people like uh we get like our fans and stuff will ask us about very specific unique things within the nerdverse and i'm like i have no idea what that is but I'm glad that you do. Terry, you are a fan, but you are not in the, in the fandom. That's the difference. I'm a casual. Well, I'm not a casual. I have a D&D podcast. I'm a... What am I, Adam? Uh, what is life if not flustered? It's <laughs> my first episode. What episode is this? Like 49 or something? <laughs> Dan, you were about to ask me something. No, okay, so, <laughs> so, so keep on the board. It is your first episode. So, so look, uh, the thing about the old advanced dun- Dungeons & Dragons um, adventures are a lot of them sound really, really interesting. They also kind of hail back to the old days of kicking the door, kill the orc next, 
right? Where you didn't even really need to name your character because mm. that shit didn't matter. You were just the human fighter. Yeah, you were a human fighter that is there to get enough gold to get a title, the end. Yeah. Right? And that was it. That's a lot of the old stuff. As they continued to publish them, they, they got more story to them and they got common villains and recurring enemies. And that's kind of the birthplace of where all of these stories and, and the idea of role-playing in D&D comes from because back at the beginning the very early ones were more about wargaming than role-playing right and so when you see things like b2 keep on the borderlands they if you see b2 or you know f6 or whatever they all had these these numbers so that you could track when you're supposed to play this in a series right, right. so uh i really like that they do that I much prefer the 5th edition stuff that we have now. And I've seen actually quite a few, especially on DMs Guild, there are quite a few uh, adaptations from the early things. Like, I mean, Curse of Strahd is an adaptation from early um, uh, early modules and, and Ravenloft campaign setting and whatnot. I, I'm excited to see more throwbacks. Right. I think that the... Temple of Elemental Evil didn't get enough justice in 5th edition. Nope. And I want them to go back, and it doesn't have to be the exact same story, but I want to I want to breathe in these old stories again. One of my favorite ones, and I can never remember what it's called, is the one where a spaceship lands, and you can actually get lasers and shit. And it's a Mind Flayer spaceship. But you don't know that, and it was kind of like an introduction to new players about who, who Mind Flayers are. And, I mean, it's it's old, and yeah. it's, it's, it's awesome. Dan, are you looking it up right now? I'm looking it up right now. But it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, I know. Me too. Because that's one of the ones that I've read. Expedition to the Barrier Peaks. Yeah. But it, there's nothing in it that tells you that. That Expedition to the Barrier Peaks sounds like, I don't know, giants? Yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah. right? But no, man. You are in a spaceship. It's a dungeon crawl through a spaceship and you get laser guns. Yeah, it, doesn't sound, it sounds more like jungly or something to me. Yeah. Yeah. and the But I mean, this is back in the pulp... Uh, sci-fi and uh, when sci-fi and fantasy really bled together where you could have you know a great sword in one hand that was glowing with the magic power of raw and then in in the other hand you'd have a, a laser pistol yeah right and that was totally normal and fine i kind of miss those high fantasy that's not even high fantasy that's that's sword and sorcery um like it's, pulp it's like, sci-fi. It's pulp sci-fi. It's, it's, it's like it's, Buck Rogers. Yeah, it's space right? opera, it. right? Yeah. And it does, like, that's what Star Wars is. We just keep forgetting that and trying to answer how the Millennium Falcon flies, right? So I, I love that old stuff. I watched and, Star Wars last night. Did you? Which yeah. one? You know which one. Fuck. <laughs> you watched The Phantom Menace That's, again? Yeah, I watched The Phantom Menace. That's like Menace. the third time, Terry, yeah, in like also, a month. Because young Anakin Skywalker looks like what I looked like when I was a child as well. I'm going to show you guys one day. But really? Yeah, almost exactly. Thankfully, you don't look like grown-up young Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, That's rough. True. Bless him. Just yeah. trying to get through life. He was a childhood actor. Hard he fun. was uh, in... Crap, what was it? Oh, uh, Nicholas here. Oh, Nicholas here. Go get food. We can pause. Okay, Adam here again. I'm going to just save you guys from listening to us chew and tell stories about things that don't really matter. So here, I'm going to summarize the whole thing. Turns out Nicola was not a hot girl. It was a Russian guy, and Terry was disappointed. Dan told a very long story that didn't really have a beginning or an end, and that we mocked him incessantly for it. And then I got confused about which 
movie Elizabeth Hurley and Brendan Fraser were in together. Turns out it wasn't bamboozled, it was bedazzled, but I took half points anyway, and then we discovered that I'm keeping score for nothing, and the points literally do not matter in any regard. So, that's what we had accomplished while we were chewing on pizza loudly into a microphone. I've cut that, you're welcome, and now we're going to get back to the episode again. Let's see how many more times I've got to do this. All right, my turn. Um, we're two and two. Let's not yell. Are disappointed about Nicola. Dan, roll the die. <laughs> right, Dan, um, roll the die. Dan, roll. <laughs> fuck, there you stopped speaking. <laughs> got the black one. Nineteen. Nineteen. Nineteen black on the black, black table. This bar. Right. You're sauce all over the tables now, Adam. Good job, Adam. <laughs> you know what? Uh, don't judge me. We edited out all of the chewing. Yeah. Uh, we got You're welcome. welcome we're, we're, we're perky now. Since that break that the the, the, the internet came here, yeah. we're all like down. Fuck this pizza's gonna be here. Boom, we're good to go. Yeah, there we go. Um, it's like we got a meat injection right into our our bloodstreams, and we're we, good to go. Can right? We not talk about meat injections, please. Dan, stop censoring me. <laughs> uh, Nineteen of the black guy, Pepperina again. Fuck, Something uh, about meat injections. Can we get a sample of what the courting process was like between Adam as the half orc and Terry as his character? Was, so uh, yes, about meat injections. It's, it's a very role play heavy group as well, and like I was so into that campaign. That was really into it, but there was some awkward moments, just like this, where you would like lock eyes with me because we're having a conversation. I'm like, I'm like in love with an imaginary half orc woman. That all right? Is I'm just gonna Adam. set the scene real quick. You have just rescued a bunch of half orc slaves from a sapphire mine. Oh no, that was that was way before. That was way yeah. before. Yeah. No, no, actually, I wasn't I there for the whole quarter. No, process. I wasn't too into her at first because she was kind of inappropriate. She had no boundaries. She kept no. trying to grab me and stuff like that. And I was playing the whole fuck this, fight did this to you, fuck you, blah blah blah. Uh, but kind of quietly to myself. And so it took me a while to like get on board with it. Well, you kept talking about well, uh, uh, sorry, which one's the most attractive one? Which one is which one is the prettiest one? Mm. Is she is she like fit like a crossfit chick or and yeah, you just kept yeah, asking yeah. these questions and so she would also be equally as interested. <laughs> and she stomps <laughs> and her she way up to you. But I mean she she was an ex-sex slave in like uh, for for orcs. We the, don't talk about her past. No, we don't. I like at all. But it was heavily implied that these women who are slaves of orcs, right? And, like, there it is. Welcome to half-orc yeah. um, society. But, but, yeah, what did you think it was? Love? <laughs> um, so, so no, but she had no tact. She, like, the mating ritual is what she saw in the yeah, yeah. in the caves, right? And so she, she comes out just, like, swinging at Terry. Just just straight on, like, she walks up and... Like a deer take, in the rut, man. And takes you by your manhood in her giant green fist and says... We should mate. And let's go. And saunters away, swinging her hips seductively. And Terry didn't know what to do with that for about three <laughs> months. Well, Terry do do still that? doesn't know what to do with it. <laughs> what do you do with that? But she was beautiful. Because, oh, but that, oh. And then I found some art online. And I'm like, she looks kind of like this. And Terry's like, please, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the picture of Kogu in my phone, actually. Yeah, I loved Kogu. I, that was the, that he was used the, to be in his wallet. but That was the <laughs> most... That was no. She was my lock screen for a little bit. I'm embarrassed to say. Are and, you? And you say you're not a nerd. Yeah, that is nerdy. <laughs> She's the the NPC that I've been most invested in. I think of my time playing this game. That sounds a lot like uh, there's this new character, Madame Vis, 
in uh, the campaign that is this little goblin that I've done dealings with with my character in the past and every single react like every single interaction is like you know gentle caresses down the side of my, my character's face from her and like she's uh, constantly hitting on him constantly flirting con- she's a goblin and what's your what race is your character? No, no, no. yeah, he's Locky. Oh, Locky. Oh, as Locky. Yeah, as Locky, and like Locky's like just hard. What would no, that I... be a goblin. What would that come out as? Uh, uh, a, a noblin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did it come out as a noblin? <laughs> Not yet, but it's good. It it's good it. eventually, okay. probably. All like, this like, shit that's like, going to go I'm going. I'm going right on. on these nuts. I'm going on the record. I would be a great green-skinned woman. That's such a strange sentence, though, to say in your life, isn't it? Look, it was only D&D and Star Trek The Original Series. Those are the only two places where green-skinned women are yeah, actually... I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really concerned that he for sure said that sentence multiple times in his head and then okayed it and still let it out. I, I like the fang, Dan, actually. I look in the mirror every Just morning and I say it to myself. That, <laughs> <laughs> would you and do gosh me? darn it, people like me. Can someone please roll a fucking die? Terry, it's your turn. <laughs> you, say what? you look in the mirror and say, what? You'd be... <laughs> I would be a great green-skinned woman. Would you do me? <laughs> I'd do me. <laughs> I right, roll a die. Who's Terry, Terry, me? Yeah, Sorry. rescue us. Fuck. Sorry, Sorry. Red die. 13. 13. Uh, at its.me.john.snooze. Wants to know... <laughs> Fucking was by the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> Wants to know Terry's favorite monster or group of monsters to throw at low-level at low level parties. Uh, well, John, um, I'm just joking about your Instagram handle. It's delightful. Uh, it's better than mine. What was the question? <laughs> favorite monster slash group of monsters to throw at low-level parties. <laughs> I think... Uh, I don't mind going for monsters that are a higher tier than really what you should be throwing at low-level parties, just to set the stage a little bit. Set the Beholders. Theme, give, give them a little bit of fear. Honestly, like maybe something like Drake's. Something higher, where they're obviously not going to kill them, but just to put a bit of fear into them. So don't get too... Feel like you have to get bogged down with like goblins and maybe a couple of orcs and stuff. You can kind of get outside the box a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah something... Yeah, probably Drake's or something like that. Dan, do you have an answer? What's your favorite? Uh, for low levels? Yeah. Um, I, I, I will always have goblins. I just... I love my goblins. Um, but in terms of like unique things that I will always throw... Um, Animalistic monstrosities, so like yeah, giant team, turtles, team well. yeah. giant turtles, or giant frogs, or giant bears, or, or all of that. I, I Why love is that? those. Um, it it kind of subverts expectations because like you're walking through the uh, a jungle and you hear the croaking of a frog or you hear the rustling of leaves and then you know a giant toad pops out and this, this thing the size of a small car. Like yeah, it's it's it, it's going to surprise and shock the party and and it's. It is something fantastical enough for new players as well, like brand spanking new players, um, that they they try to actually win the animals over with animal uh, husbandry or animal handling, um, and that typically does not go well with them. So I, I like messing with giant animals for low levels. My answer is a rust monster. I'm going to set the stage early. Your shit is not safe. Yeah. You're going to win that combat, but your shit is going to be gone. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to set that stage super early. Oh, that cool. as a byproduct of that, you also get to introduce some NPCs when they have to go through the town and then replace all of their shit. They get yeah. to meet the yeah, the Smith and the Fletcher. And and, and everything in like the nearest town to where you found the Rust Monster, everything is made of wood. There yeah. is no metal anywhere. 
Yeah. No, wooden swords. Level one party with wooden swords. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <coughs> Red die. What do you got for me? Eleven. Eleven. Um, Sir underscore Baggio asks, how many dice do you have? Not enough. Next question. Yeah, I don't believe this guy's really a knight either. Really? Do you guys know how many dice you have? Do I Do I not know? I've got like a fucking... I have buckets and it's still not enough. Yeah, Dan is literal buckets. When we roll dice for the for the It's a Mimic show, we often just pull out one of the buckets and just start digging. Yeah, find out one that inspires us in that moment. Yeah, I got one. However, we made the discovery today. You don't have a single white. I don't have a single white dice. Die, please. Singular. (laughs) No, (laughs) like singular. I don't even. I I don't have any white die at all. Right. Um, Like, well, you got a couple of d sixes. But they've got like pips on them. They might be out of a Monopoly game. Well, there's there's a couple that are also like uh, uh, scatter dice from Warhammer 40k. Yeah. I have a, a, a small lunchbox full. I don't own a small lunchbox, but the amount of dice that I have would fit into one. You're obsessed with categorizing your dice, Adam. Like you actually keep oh. them all separated, so you know exactly most, how many sets Adam's dice you are the own. most organized dice I've ever. When I saw when I went to Adam's house, I saw all of his dice. They're arranged like um, like mini bars at a hotel. Yeah, like if you pull them out with the slot, but you've only got thirty seconds before you put it back in, otherwise you're getting charged. That's what Adam's dice was like, arranged just so. I have two hundred and sixty-eight dice. Okay, Jesus fuck. <laughs> how? Why did you count them? Well, no. What he does is there's seven dice in a set, and, and then I have a bunch, of, and then I have a bunch of randoms. But everybody, so. oh yeah, everyone's just got the randoms, right? No. Yeah, I, so. I've got a couple of your randoms. I think. Oh, probably. Uh, I, um, I got into a habit. I used to have a lot more dice, but I got into a habit. I started like three or four groups of newbies, and I just handed out dice. Like I would collect sets, and I'd just be like, "These just are yours now. Yeah. These are yours." And like actually. These are yours. I'm giving you these dice. Those are yours. And we would run until they started buying their own dice. My first ever time uh, running a D&D game, I brought... Everybody was brand new, so I brought everybody... A, it was around about Christmas time, so the gift brought everybody a set of dice yeah. and a little mini. Yeah. Dice awesome. are a perfect gift for a gamer, because no gamer could ever have too many dice. Yeah. I, I had a thought the other day about the idea of people rolling dice. Sorry, I'm going to sidebar just for a second here. Um, about people rolling dice, and you guys know you've been at a table with those players. They roll the die. It goes, oh, oh, great, a seventeen, and pick it up before you can check. And I was thinking about people mm. like that, right? And I was I've th- been known to do that a couple times, right? I think uh, I've been called out on it. Uh, there are, and then there are the people that that roll, and it's kind of cocked, but they like put push down on the top and be, oh no, see, look, it's fine, mm. just to make sure that's on the answer that they like. Then the people that roll on a book and ends up in the crack of the books and they go, oh, that's that that's that's like a nineteen, right? Like it's 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 not it, it's it it's a going to roll over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's that's why I like dice boxes. So this one I'm saying, what do you guys think about everybody has their own personal dice, but you put one big dice tray in the middle. And people roll into it in public in front of everybody. And that way you have, like, your attack tray. You can have a small one for, like, criticals if you're rolling on a crit table. I want to take you one further. Dan, I need you to make this. Adam, I need you to design this. Everybody just has... Dan, you just offended Dan. Everybody... I can't design it? No. Dan, you're here for your hands. I'm here for my sparkling wit? Nope. That's what I'm here for. Shit. You're here for your design. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you're you're designable, so that's <laughs> make your point, Derek. Everybody, a table. Are we sure like you're a, here for your a table like this? Everybody has a slot, and in these slots there are tubes, and these tubes all lead to the middle to one exit hole where 
you put the, you roll the dice in, and it all rolls through, and it pops in the middle, and it lands in the middle. I love it. Everybody you just slot it in. Yeah. Everyone needs their own butt. That's basically what you just said. Oh, see, I went with with no, never mind. You guys all missed the Everyone hand motions. Everyone needs their own plinko machine. Yeah, or even just like a little. You know what I'm saying, right? Sure. Um, no, I, just want to address, I, I do want to address something about the dice question real quick. If you're that guy that has the dice that are impossible to read from any sort of angle, take those dice, put them away, never grab them again. I hate that person. I don't like... Get what, dice that are easily read all When across there's the too table. much of a design on there. If there's uh, too much of a design okay, or, they haven't, or they haven't inked... The, the lettering well enough We're or painted out of in the ideas, lettering. I think I actually I don't care about dice anymore. Ever since I got those beautiful metal dice and my dice that cured my dice obsession, and now I don't care about anything else. That's fair. I've got my metal dice too, and they did that for a while, and then it came back. It comes back. Um, but like I, I've I've definitely played a, a couple tables <laughs> where people are rolling dice that not even they can read, and then it takes a good five seconds to be like seven, seven, seventeen. Is that a one? Seven, nine, nine, one, one, six. It's a six. And you're like, what the fuck? Get new dice. So please, if you're going to be rolling dice, you're listening to the podcast, you're rolling dice, what make it the, sure your dice are readable. What about the people that use um, like apps, random number generators, like the, like the app? Absolutely the not. That can be tampered with. Just roll a fucking die. But uh, but also kind of takes away from the magic of it all, doesn't it? If it doesn't I, go I, clickety-clack, it doesn't count. I, I have a friend. It doesn't go clickety-clack, take it back. I have I have a friend who has programmed his character sheet, everything else. It's got everything that's imp- inputable to his uh, character sheet because he he's a technophile. He loves his uh, technology. Um, and I complained to him once uh, about it because I don't like the I don't like having automated dice rollers. But I complained to him once about the uh, even like it's unsatisfying. There's no clickety clack. So he made it so each time he pushed the button to roll, the sound of dice rolling would happen and he was like there i fixed it i'm like no that defeats the purpose look i'm anti D beyond right i now, want i want, pencils you want, and paper. You want pen and paper you don't want any technology at the table whatsoever yeah as a, now i allow it in my tuesday group but i give dan shit if he pulls his phone out at the table I, and i run off D beyond half the time so i've started like printing off the D beyond uh i like D beyond for inputting everything hopefully they're not about to call us with a sponsorship request <laughs> i like D beyond for inputting everything but then i want to print the sheet you want to know what my problem is as a player is if i'm typing it out i can type it out in 10 seconds i check the box and i've moved on i didn't learn my shit yet so I'm showing up at the table unprepared. Mm. That's my number one complaint about it. Mm. I want if I'm taking the time to to tell you what favored enemy actually means while I'm writing it on my sheet and I'm filling it out and I'm like and I chose giants and I chose then I will remember that yeah. shit. That's part of my memorization. But, but process. that yeah, that's part of your memorization process for me. Like it's just personal. Like for me, that's yeah. how I remember which spells I've chosen if I'm a cleric and I can renew them on a regular on a long rest. Right. Mm-hmm. Like like there we go. It's so. just a style thing. I don't mind technology at the table. I. Don't like automatic dice rollers because, like you said, they can be tampered. How about how lost you get if you have to use somebody else's character sheet? Like if they go away for a week or something like that, and they're cool. like, "Hey, we're gonna trust you play my character." Oh, I always just I remember the playing Vargas one yeah. time, your character Adam, and I was like, "And it's not that your your sheet was complicated. You're a very organized person. It was just different to mine, the layout." Yeah. So I was just like, "What the fuck is this? I don't know." Okay, yeah. I'm grabbing white. Go and we're for it. Roll. Sure. Uh, that's ten. A, that's a ten. Yeah. Dis- um, Alexander, another skip. Davis asks favorite two color combinations. Favorite two color combinations. What is this? Just a life question, or I don't know. I think I think he's talking about dice. Oh, oh, is he talking about 
dragons. I really don't know where he's going with this. Uh, look, we accept every question. Yeah, cool. Uh, uh, my favorite t- my favorite color is green. It just always happens. I've never met anyone who likes green. Well, yes, yes, you have. have. It's me. Yeah. Intern Dave as well. Really? Yeah. I've, I've always loved green. It's my favorite color. Um, like forest green? Uh, like Yeah, like a deep forest green. All right. Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. Um, so my favorite dice to use are green and gold. Those are my those are my favorite dice to use. Oh, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. That's very festive. I've, I've also got uh, so, uh, like a pale, almost sickly green dice with white lettering that I'm, I'm a fan of as well. Hmm. What about you? Uh, beige and mauve. <laughs> Any person who says his favorite color is beige should be shot out of a cannon. <laughs> well, you're a top mustard, I guess. It's not quite beige. Beige and mustard, my two favorite colors. Uh, no, uh, black and pink. Just in life, I just like the way it looks. It's very rock and roll, kind of emo, I guess. Yeah, it's very emo punk. I don't yeah. see that as emo at all, man. That's 80s, like, hair metal. Yeah, I get... Oh, well, yeah, I, I, I see that as, like, late late 90s, early knots, like... No, you want to know what it is. I'll, uh, I'll tell you why Terry culture. likes it. It was, no. it was like, scene. No, I'll tell you what it is, why Terry likes it so much. And it's because those are the colors of the leather jackets in Greece too. That's right, they are. Oh, yeah. there you go. Grease 2, Michelle Pfeiffer played Stephanie Zanoni that this die that I'm rolling tonight is named after. Yep. And you just put it down on a natural 20. Uh, what's your favorite color combination? She was. Um, navy blue and black. I don't know why. I just think that's badass. Sure. All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Night, right. Nightwing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, that. those are the comics I read growing up. That's probably exactly what it is. No. So, all right. My turn. Adam West's tights. Nope. <laughs> Those are gray, but god damn it, damn. Eleven red. I already, I already rolled that. All right, I go to the other table. Black, black nine, black nine. Shit, I'm already rolled two. All right, so white. Fucking do this. White eighteen. We didn't do this. All right, cool. Um, Alexander, another Skip Davis asks, "What's the worst thing about fifth edition?" I've never met like. What does he mean by another Skip? I have no idea. I've never met the first Skip. Maybe, I, I could not tell you. Anyway, Dan? Uh, the, my, my least favorite thing about 5th edition? Um, attunement. For why? Um, I've always... like I, I grew up playing... like 3.5 is the edition I spent the most time playing. And it's just load up on magic items until you can't carry any more magic items and then get a bag of holding and start carrying more magic items. Mm-hmm. Um, as a dungeon master, I appreciate attunement. As a dungeon master, I do appreciate attunement because it kind of helps you manage power creep a little bit. It's not even that. But, I, but it's forcing choice. It's also forcing choice. But when you get to like level axes. 12, yeah. you're he- you are juggling attunements. And three is just not enough. In my opinion, do you it's think not. your uh, attunement amount should increase as you level, just like every like to like level. 10 I would love four. to see the rule change to be your attunement slots equal your proficiency modifier. Mm-hmm. I don't see why that can't be a thing. So up until level f- four, you have because uh, you can two. only maximum have six. So you can, and then at the end, you can only maximum have six. Yeah, I mean, sure, why not? But yeah. the, um, as for a fifth edition, it manageable. How mag- and also how there is no set price for magic items, and it's just like this for uncommon. There's a gap, and uh, oh, like the range. Yeah, I like. Days. I would prefer. I don't mind the range because it encourages role play. Uh, it encourages role play, but it also the the power levels of an uncommon item vary drastically, right? But that number doesn't. So it's it's. Uh, I would prefer to have set numbers for everything, but that's yeah. that's again. 
my 3.5 it should be based bias on uh, power and ability over how rare. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, for me, um, a friend of mine once said, it was Dan. Um, oh, we're friends. That when you, a work associate of mine once said, um, when you are unnecessarily specific in some areas, you create ambiguity in other areas. Do you remember when you said that, Dan? Yeah. Those are, again, those Rangers episodes. Stuck with me when you said that. And I realized when you said that, that fifth edition is like that sometimes. Very, very, very specific on rules in some areas. Very vague in other areas. We've talked about the whole poison thing many times. Uh, and so I think <clears throat> there's times when it creates confusion. And mm-hmm. I think if you're going to be specific, there's some critical things out there that we should be much more specific with. Um, and it comes up quite a lot in 5th edition. So I don't I don't mind that it's loose, loosey-goosey where we can kind of um, just kind of roll with it. And it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit more free in some senses, but it's not clear in a lot of ways. Uh, so I don't like that. I'm with you. You know, when I hear so many stories about how 3.5 was very specific on rules and, and how to do certain things. Yeah. Adam? Um... I don't know. It's a tie between the bullshit crafting rules and the fact that there's no auras. Hmm. There's auras. No, there's not enough. You should be hit with a dragon's aura every time you freaking see it. Yeah. Yes, no, I agree. Oh, uh, monster auras. There's no... Yes, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm like, yeah, paladins I, have like 12. <laughs> well, they have like four, but it's... Again, it's not enough. Then there's just... I wish there were more auras. You should... We're, we're missing the you sense their presence because they are so evil or they're so alien to this realm or whatever it is. I miss that. Yeah. Right? Enough. And then crafting, Dan and I were looking into it, I think it's past week. Yeah. And I'm like, it's it's, it's just not good. It, and it, it's it's underwhelming. It's very underwhelming. They should crafting have, items should be exciting. They should have just either cut it or given it a chapter. Right? And that's, well, that's my opinion anyway. Yeah. So okay, next question. Uh, is my turn to roll? I believe. Uh, didn't you just roll that? No, that wasn't me. Was that me? That was you. Oh, okay. Well, my turn. Terry. White table. Fifteen. I feel like I rolled that. Uh, milestones or XP? We're still in an Alexander another Skip Davis. Uh, milestones or XP? I prefer milestones over XP uh, personally, but uh, you should totally listen to our loot episode for a further discussion on this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are going to talk about that. I mean, we did talk about that. I mean, I forget the timeline. Um, but I'm going to say milestones. I'll say it now, and I'm sure that I said it in the loot episode. I did. Um, I have never heard a good argument for XP for leveling. The one that I'm satisfied with. I've never heard why that is better than the other options. Other um, than precision, which 5th edition is not known for. It's not known to be that precise thing, and you just talked about that in yeah. the last question. Yeah. So uh, check out the episode on loot because we're going to talk about it in more detail and I don't want to do it now because I'll be repeating myself. You know, honestly, all right, here's my argument. I like Milestone better, just narratively you can control things a little bit better. Here's what, I, what I'll say about ex- experience. You don't end up with long, meandering campaigns that go nowhere. Um, you can just level when you hit level 20, you're done. Yeah. Right? If you guys got sidetracked, chasing freaking your own cockatrice around, then you uh, you missed the opportunity to to go defeat the evil bad guy. The end, yeah. right? I, I miss that. I miss the idea of being able to take away experience. There used to be monsters that could reduce a player's experience. Mm. Um, and I think... Yeah, I like that too. I miss that as well. Yeah, things like uh, Modify Memory, the spell, that would be really interesting to have that because... You're not really using that so much against monsters or enemies or 
or evil cultists or whatever, you're using that on your other players, mm-hmm. right? And so there were some things that experience really, really gave, as well as the idea that you could freaking spend experience to get items in earlier editions and stuff. There's a lot of fun things you could do with it. It was just another game mechanic that, like, we, do we need another currency? Do we? We've got like nine poorly defined currencies in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Why do we need this one? Right. So no, you're on point. Yep. So I, I liked experience in other systems. I'm not a fan of it in fifth edition. Cool. It's your turn to roll. It is my turn to roll. Uh, black table. Ba-ba-da-ba-da. Twas. Uh, Clueless Game Master. Hi, Brad. Twa. Says, uh, what do you think of DMs leaving a game and dumping it on one of the players to DM? I wow, believe- this is a fucking pointed directional question. Yeah, Brad. Um, I'm a huge fan of it, especially when those DMs that you dump it on are incredibly capable, intelligent, creative people who could easily run a campaign if they spent 30 seconds not whining about getting it dumped on them. Brad. Next question. I feel like there's something going on here, but I don't know. <laughs> I feel why. like I don't know so, what's happening. I feel if somebody's DMing that didn't have it dumped on them, no, wait, that got dumped on me once... It did. Terry, how was that? Uh, stressful. Was it? I came out stronger for it, but it's one of those times where it's like, <sighs> do you really want that stress? But sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, when I, so, ah, I play a lot and, and have a lot of my friend, uh, people in my friends groups who don't play D&D and they see me as the D&D guy in, our, in, in these communities I hang out with. So I have a lot of people coming to me and being like, hey, I really want to play D&D. And the thing is, I really want to play D&D with them as well. But being a dad, a podcaster, a single income family, one of the most expensive cities in North America to live. It's hard to find the time to run 15 different games. Yeah. And often I find a lot of groups get the bug of being super excited about playing Dungeons and Dragons. But I just I can't match that yeah, yeah, yeah. because my priorities aren't there. So what I will do is I will groom one person to take over the campaign. And and sometimes I don't communicate that well. Can we use train or mentor over groom? Is that okay? Sure, train or mentor, either <laughs> way, right? But like um what I'll do is I'll like they'll help me roll up initiatives and manage initiatives. They'll um they'll help me build encounters or whatnot. But um I really do enjoy kind of building up these groups and it feels a little bit like just um, lack of a better term church planning in various locations is I'm setting up this leader to lead this group now I'm going to go to this other group set that leader up to set up that group and and there's three games going on weekly that I've set up and are now continuing one of them which uh, this person runs Brad yeah. Brad um who was on this podcast? Who's been on the podcast has uh, kind of slowed down and slowed and taken his back seat because all of our lives are busy. Um, so I, I, I think you have to handle it well with Brad's group. I probably handled it poorly, if I'm to be honest. Um, but that was at a really busy point in my life. I had a new kid, so I think that he's. Uh, so now, because you're like, oh, I handled it poorly. Now it sounds like he was being a dick. But I think that he, that was just some friendly... Oh, no, it was friendly banter, 100%. Yeah. I love Brad. Absolutely love him. But uh, it, if you're going to do it, do it well. Just like anything else. Like, make sure you're communicating. You need to find the right person to take it over. Yeah. Yeah, also, we, even though I just said, yeah, it was stressful when it happened to me, 
you only do it if you want to. Nobody's forcing you to do yeah. it. It's, you know, it's not prison. Well, you I mean, no. you guys also remember the time that Terry dumped a campaign on me. Hmm. Right? Like, <laughs> you finished Curse of Strahd, no one has done other characters yet. And I'm like, well, I, I, like, I guess I've got a homebrew that I've been kind of developing for a few years. And then you and, and Jamie were just like, well, then fucking do it. Yeah. Like, oh, all right, here we go. <laughs> Do it so, now. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know I brought all these books. I didn't even know. How could I even know? So I, I, I just, I'm like, but I, I haven't done enough prep yet. <laughs> I was like folding maps out under the table. Can, can, can we get another table? I have more maps. It's so lucky that I brought these with me. <laughs> um, I really like taking over campaigns, like from the other side. I really like taking over campaigns from other people because I feel like it... Uh, it breathes a new, fresh life into it. Yeah. I love the first 12 sessions of a campaign. That's when I feel like it's the most vibrant. And if you haven't hit your stride and they're not engaged by then, probably kill it and do something else. Dan, how many campaigns have you killed? You and your Friday night group, have you guys killed within the first 12 sessions? Just because you weren't inspired. Most of them. Most of them, right? Well, and, and that's because life sometimes comes in and then three weeks go by and you don't play and you lose contact with Yeah, but, the but because are. you're not inspired, yeah. you don't give a shit in this stuff. I guess we've taken two and a half months off and come back to be like, all right, okay, we're back in it. We're going to do this again. Yeah. Here we go. Itching right? to get going, right? So, yeah. Um, anyways, whose turn is that? I think it's my turn. That's your no, turn. No, it's, it's, I just rolled that one. It's right. Terry's turn. Oh, it is? Okay. Well, I'll I go, thought I was Terry for a moment. I'll go red. Splendid. Two. Two. Uh, Colton yeah. Adrian says, a javelin is a melee weapon with a thrown weapon property, and a barbarian can add rage damage to a thrown javelin. So, can a paladin apply smite to a thrown javelin. Yes. Hold on. I gotta look it up. I gotta look it up. But smite is not rage. No, no. You... Smite, uh, smite uh, specifies a melee weapon attack. Um, so it would have to be a melee weapon attack. Um, but I would let them add it to a javelin. Sure. But remember, no. you're rolling with disadvantage after 10 feet. I wouldn't let them. It's a melee weapon attack. Why would you let them do it to a, to a ranged weapon? I would say because it's not a bow or a crossbow. Like I would say, this is the they're totally Can you add different. Smite to a rock that you throw. I would say yes, but it's melee attack. D- Divine smite starting at second level. When you hit a creature with a melee weapon attack, you can expend one spell slot to deal radiant damage to the target in addition to the weapon's damage. The key phrase here is with a melee weapon attack. And if also, if I was the ranger with hunter's mark and you did that to the paladin, I'd say, well, fuck that then. If I hit them with my longbow, can I get the extra damage? Look, here's here's what I'm coming down to. This is, again, the poor wording and it's open to interpretation. There's two ways to look at it. Is it an attack with a melee weapon, at which point then, yes, it counts, or is it a weapon attack that has to be melee? A melee weapon attack is confusing. Fix the wording. Okay. So I can see it from both sides on this. But it's no, but a javelin <coughs> is a melee weapon or a ranged weapon. Yes, it can be used as a melee weapon, but if you throw it, it is a ranged what weapon. What does the ranged property say specifically? I'm gonna look up thrown actually. I yeah, think that, that works that's... too. Um the the one of the reasons why I would be okay with this is and we've talked about this in the Paladin episode, you get so few smites as a paladin that um, and you get so many attacks as a ranger or a fighter with a bow that I'm not worried about the power differential. One is just far more bursty. The other is far more sustained. Okay, so first of all, range. A weapon that can be used to make a ranged attack 
has a range in parentheses after the ammunition or thrown property. The range lists two numbers. First is normal range. Uh, when attacking a target beyond normal range, you have disadvantage. You can't attack... Uh, okay, so it's not giving you anything. There's uh, Thrown. If a weapon has a thrown property, you can throw the weapon to make a ranged attack. Yeah, so this is my point. Okay, let me get my point out. Just because the javelin is capable of doing melee attacks does not mean that it is a melee weapon if you throw it. It is a ranged weapon. Same as a bow is a ranged weapon, even if I hit you with it. It is a ranged weapon. It doesn't become... I mean, technically, it becomes a melee weapon at that point, but that doesn't mean I can add ranged weapon damage to it. Yeah, I, I, again, you, I can look at it either way. It's either a melee weapon attack, so a melee weapon is something that you use to hit people. Yeah, but there's only or, two types of attacks. It's but, melee. But, but hold on, or it's a weapon attack that is melee. No, it's. I believe it's listed because there's two types of weapon attacks. Melee weapon attack or ranged weapon attack. Here, here's how we figure this out. What is the best way to use an arrow? But it's, Do you shoot an arrow? Do you throw an arrow or do you stab an arrow? No. And what is the weapon you use when you do that? Okay. Like the damage. Dan, if you're standing over there and I throw a javelin at you, what type of weapon did I just throw at you? You threw a melee weapon that has a ranged nope. property. I, I, that in that instance, it's it was a missile. A yes, and it was a ranged weapon. It was a ranged weapon. In that instance, it was a ranged weapon. No, I I get what you're saying, and even though I agree with you on this, because I actually do, I agree yeah. with you that it becomes a ranged weapon. I would still give the ability to smite. Can I now get Hunter's Mark when I hit you with my longbow? Why not? Okay, well now can I, now that you've done that to the ranger and the paladin, can my monk now uh, stun somebody when they spit on them? Because that's now how I get ranged. No, because there's not a weapon attack there and it specifically says an unarmed attack. Okay, but now I'm the monk going, well, you just changed their shit. Uh, the... I, so now I won't play a monk. Now I'll do this because it's not beneficial. Uh, see, I'm going to split hairs even further. If, if, all right, so if if you can add Hunter's Mark when you hit them with a bow, right, from a bow and arrow. Now I cut the string and it's a stick. And is it technically a club or a bow staff? And is it now going to be... Like, you see where I'm... Yeah, yeah. This is the same thing that we got into about where the moment you start to get specific... Other things become very, very generic, yeah. and, you, and they become ill-defined. And so this, I think, is going to come down to, like I say, it can be read either way because of the wording. And if the player comes to me and says, can I add smite to this, then I will say absolutely 100% yes, but then I will add smite to it with any evil paladin that I'm throwing at you. And just so you're aware, this is a two-way street. Do you want to proceed in this direction? And I have, I've honestly, I've said that about a dozen times to people and I get about a 50-50 response, you know, but people saying, yeah, I want to do it anyway. And people going, mm, never mind. My my perspective on it is if you have this kind of rules question, just go towards the rule. Cool. Like, great. And and I'm okay with that. Like, if if the monk can justify a reason why they're doing a stun attack with a sling, then I can... I, I would be far less ready to do that than with a javelin, but still. I'm all about adjusting to rule of cool, cool times of ambiguity, ambiguity, but not the times of specifics. Because then if I say that, next turn the wizard goes, I'm going to use gust of wind, except I'm going to fire it at the floor so I can levitate. Because it's pushing me. Okay, next one, next I, one. It's just, it's just unique it's, ways to use it. Like, yeah, sure, but it stops and then you fall, so... Yeah, but I'm saying that was just one example. Of, but, but, <laughs> but if we just go, if I... if So the paladin said that to me, read the paragraph to me. When you make a melee weapon, it's a ranged weapon. Next. 
Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'm like DM ruling. And honestly, this is a question to ask your DM for discussion. Do not get butt hurt when you don't get the answer you don't want. Yep. Do it midweek after the session is over. Accept the ruling at the table. And it is entirely... How many times have I said, I got this rule wrong last week, so here's how we're going to do it differently yeah. moving yeah. forward. Yeah, well, right? right. And it's it's definitely one of those ones, like, don't get upset at the table. Go with the DM's ruling at the table and discuss it midweek. Any sort of rules disagreement. That is that's the that is the way to do it. I thought that was a really, really, really good question. Well, I agree. That yeah. was a good question. And it is my turn to roll dice. Yeah. Oh, 15. So... Oh, shit. This one's from Intern Dave. Intern Dave asks... You all right, Terry? I'm good. Intern Dave asks, how do you keep your guys engaged in things during long breaks between sessions? Like during holidays, for example. Well, I... Yeah. Go on. Yeah, I run midweek content, right? Like, And I've never really given a breakdown of what that is on the podcast. Mm. But midweek content is when you start to roleplay through Facebook... Uh, the general agreement is that you're not going to do combat, and if you are, you assume that um, that you're going to hit, and it's going to do maximum damage, unless you state otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as a rule, I will do that, and I will separate everybody off, so they're, I mean, separate Facebook chats, or, I mean, you could do this through, through Discord or whatever you want, right? But um, that's how I keep people engaged. Also, I mean, we have, like, four group chats for each one of my damn mm-hmm. parties and and they're all just one of them's for memes one of them is for organizing when you're going to show up one of them is like in question or like in character uh role playing and and they've got questions in their character and one of them is i'm not invited to because it's secret party um, yeah this the it's the party strategy channel yeah yeah so so that I mean, between those, I mean, just kind of sending D and D memes <laughs> tends to keep people, yeah, freaking engaged. I, I think for me, well, it all depends on whether or not. I guess it depends on whether or not people want to be engaged. Sometimes people want that break. Sometimes they want their D and D fix to just be for that few hours on a Friday night or Sunday afternoon or something. Um, but yeah, I agree with Adam. For those people that want it, group chats is great. Um, but I would say make sure it's what the, the that person is looking for. Um, I don't make sure that it's what what am I trying to say make sure it's not mandatory because then oh I have a lot of players that just do not want to interact with that like I'm busy yeah right Monday to Friday I'm busy man you got me Sunday afternoon or Friday night or whenever you're playing I have one player right now who just legitimately could not be bothered to show up 90% of the time which is fine when she shows up she has a good time when she doesn't She's probably having a good time, too. I don't care. I don't take it personally. Your character comes and goes on a whim. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Right? But I know not to bug this person with yeah. with, with with midweek content, and I know not to drop freaking, like, hints and clues and things. And No, 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 no. She'll show up, get caught up on what everybody else did, yeah. and yeah. move forward, and have a good time. The, yeah. the danger with introducing midweek content, and this is something that I've, I've run into, is you have to make sure you have enough time to run it for your entire party if that becomes became a thing i've tried to introduce midweek content in some of the games i'm running and some of them it works but when all of the players are highly invested in their characters and really want to go forward with really in-depth role-playing and character development midweek it could get uh burdensome this is why i'd say that midweek content a lot of times needs to take the format of uh choose your own adventure yeah like, I'm going to give you a six-paragraph narrative. You're going to get one every night for the next six nights, and then we're going to get back to D&D because we play every week. Mm-hmm. So there you go. 
at the end of every one, you can make a choice. Even if it's not like a clear choice, like, oh, do you, do you say yes or no? You can give me six paragraphs back of what you say and do. Yeah. We're now collaboratively writing. This is the same thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. So. I, yeah, I, I hear what you said. I think also um, it has to be what the players want in that we're not taking away any of the pillars in the game, if that's what they want. Well, you guys know the way, I mean, I love combat, but I'm very roleplay heavy in my games. I'm very exploration heavy. I remember when we did that before, Adam, I said to, I said to you, we're going mostly tactics in the game because the roleplay stuff is coming to make me content now. Yeah. And you you adjusted the way you did it. You recognized you were like, perfect. Okay, these people like to do it. Dan loves midweek content. Okay, yeah. We'll do that with him. But from what I'm looking for in the game, I want it to be at the table. Yeah. And so the big thing is midweek content is fine. Just know your audience and know what they're looking for. Yeah. Uh, as for the question itself of like, what do you do to keep your players engaged? Um, escape room, an escape room, doing or, or a board game night or something, just to like where where there's where, it, but you'd have to tie it into to D and D so that well, you're doing board game or escape room or whatever it is, and then you say, hey, you know what? If we do this, this person is saved. If yeah. you don't you do this, you get charged puzzles person. as well. You give things out, take that home with you, try and solve that. Yeah, yes, I do. Yeah. I do three D puzzles. And yeah, and we used to pass it around the group, and yeah, yeah. Um, it's all just little ways. I mean, I ultimately remember you're all friends and you're all there around a table playing a game. When you're not around the table playing a game, you're still friends. So, like, shoot the shit on a Facebook chat or a Discord server or whatnot. Just make sure you're uh, really fostering excitement to come back to the table. Because if you are having this long month, two month long break, people can forget what's going on. So, uh, so you need a session 0.5 when you come back. Yeah, you need you need a recap. We also do a thing in our group that uh, I haven't seen done in a lot of groups is we do a, okay, what happened last week? And we do that every single session, right? And what that builds is kind of a, a ritual that we go through. Where it's like, okay, so what happened a month ago? We all laugh around the table. It was a month ago. I don't remember. And then everyone looks at their pages of, of notes. And like, it says here, uh, three sticks of beef and a troll. What did we do? I have no I have idea. No idea. And, that, and mine says gnome. <laughs> Dan says gnome. Yeah. <laughs> Why does yours say mine again? So, Which yeah. don't like Kellison. Who's Kellison? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to roll on the black table. And here we go. Foa. A foa. Um, uh, Crystal. Our good friend Crystal uh, from Avatar Italia uh, says, to me, alignment is... In the monster manual is a mass majority and a stereotype. Why can't there be good chromatics and evil metallics? Uh, I have an answer for this. Dan. You are do. You, are you thinking? I'm. I'm. I'm thinking. My. My main reason is because that's how it's always been, that, and I am Daniel. <laughs> well, it, there's a certain expectation that you you have, and I, I'm on board with having a maybe not necessarily good chromatic dragon but definitely an amicable one yeah. right one that like, you could get along with or that life experience has drawn it away from evil and have good story reason for it but by and large generally yes they are evil that that's the way i run it um and if they're not pay attention to that there's a reason okay here's mine and here what you saying good and evil according to who it's the scorpion and the frog the chromatic dragons are viewed evil by us as humans saying they are evil. They're not saying they're evil. So the black one be. is. The black one definitely yeah. is. Evil. They're yes. saying that this is their <laughs> this is their divine right. This is who they are. They're dragons, they're whatever. And don't be confused. Metallic dragons are not good. You are food. 
It's it's grizzly bears and black bears. They are less likely to kill you, but they also need to eat. And you are a lesser creature. We in the world, like in North America right now, we live our rule set. We judge good and evil based off, like traditionally, it's like it's like Christian background, right? But if you go to like Scandinavia a thousand years ago, they were raiding and pillaging, and that was perfectly fucking normal, and they didn't they didn't bat an eye at it. It was not evil to them. So the way I've heard this explained is uh, to get away from the whole like uh, enforced Christian morality spectrum. Um, it's not like them. Good and evil is uh, sanctity of life, and that's the way I've always viewed it. But again, according right? to who? Why, why does the why does the red dragon care about your life? Uh, well, that's a matter of focus. It cares about its life, but it does not care about others' lives. Yeah, right. It does not. It does not hesitate to kill. Whereas a uh, a lawful good paladin will hesitate to kill. Right. Yeah. And, but- and, but the question Unless is, it's against the most evil of foes. But the question is, why can't chromatic dragons be good? Why can't... Well, look, they, look. they're not... But they're not evil to them. Look, yeah, uh, okay, all right. I'm going to step in on this because you guys are... I hear what you said. You, Terry, you've made this point in the past on the podcast. Yes. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I think that, for the most part, you're both right. Um, alignment, to me... Let's go back to D&D. Alignment, to me, instead of... of Law and chaos, which people really see as law and anarchy, it should really be order versus disorder. Yeah. And the idea of good versus evil should really be selfless versus selfish. Yeah. And if you run it like that, then it kind of gives you more of an, a gray area for players to move around in as well. Yeah. But I always, I always look at the nature versus nurture argument on this. And I think that the nature of a creature is how, the way that it is born. It comes into the world. So if I'm going to change what that alignment is, so it's different in the book. I mean, I've got bullywugs that are comical. I've got gnolls that are that are buddies. I've got I, I play the gamut on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I play multicultural metropolis D and D, right? Where it's not all of the orcs live over there. Mm-hmm. Then that's based on nurture. You're born into an evil society. You have bloodlust in your veins, but you've been taught the proper way to do this. Mm. And you've been slapped on the wrist so many times as a child that it is now ingrained in your system that this is how you, you right. react now. Right. Um, I was listening to a really uh, interesting um, podcast about the idea that the concept of peace and people not killing each other is not the base state of humanity. That is not how we come into the world. Children are violent. We have to learn to be civilized. Even the concept of civilization is earned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Therefore, good really just means civilized. Yeah. And that really depends on where you are lucky enough to be born. Mm-hmm. It's just and it's so, a social agreement. That was, yeah, you could argue it was bestowed upon us, but it's a social agreement. Sex and aggression is the two reasons we do anything in the yeah. world. Is the two reasons we do anything else. It's the reason that we shower is sex or aggression. And I and I think you're right. Like even what you're saying, like from children, I don't, I just don't think you can say good or evil. Dan's thinking why? No, no, I'm just thinking about aggressively showering and lathering up in a fury. Well, if you can't think, <laughs> it means that shit. It means it's the other one. Is why we shower. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, I think too often with alignment I think we just say good and evil compared to uh, from our perspective but it's not 
all these different creatures. Yeah, and again, uh, that's how I run it with with nature versus nurture. If you guys, as a party, find a blue dragon egg and you hatch it, and it's a hatchling, that it is going to fuck you up mm-hmm. until you teach it. And you may end up, in the long run, with a good blue dragon on your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, it may still give into base natures when it's pushed, right? But so will you. So do yeah. humans. Right? Like, I'm, I'm actually humans. playing Road a... Rage is giving into basic human instinct yeah. to kill the threat which is around you. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually playing a character right now that's leaning into this kind of weird alignment twist. He was raised as a cultist. But he believed that they were right, even though he worships a, cult- a cultist. Sorry, he worshipped a god of torture. But he was raised believing this is the way he should be and everything there is right. And, like, he wants to be good and he wants to, um, you know, mold himself into society and join society. But he still has these base urges of, well, we could just sacrifice, like, the young one and that'll give us the answers we need to solve this problem, right? Like, that's just... It's, it's, it's imprinting, and, and I, I really like playing on the idea of nature versus nurture with that character, and it's lots of fun. So I yeah. um, I, I think we're all kind of speaking the same thing here, where it's um, generally, if we're playing just like a base monster that you know the party's just going to murder or move on, whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, if there's a good version of the dragon, there's a reason, right? If, if, if there's a, a group of good orcs, there's a reason. Right. And and that reason could just be they were raised good. Yeah. And I would kind of see it as. Yeah. I, but it's just, OK. This is how I see it. You and me as a human going up to a blue dragon and saying, hey, you're evil. And I'm going, no, I'm not. This is my territory. Do your chickens think you're evil? Because your argument would be, no, I'm not. This is my territory. You live in my house. And, and I will cut your head off and eat you when I choose. Yeah. That's just. Yeah, no. no. Look, I, I'm with you 100% on this, Terry. But this is why we're saying that we think that you can be um, you can be raised into someone else's perspective, mm. yeah, and you can be turned. Look, I, I really believe in the in what Joker said to Batman: "You are one bad day away from being me." Uh, that's true. Yeah, right. We are all just that one day of losing everything. Mm-hmm. How many days can you go without food before you're willing to kill? Now, hold on, before you answer, how many days, Dan, and I'm don't answer this, hypothetical, how many days can your children go without food before you're willing to kill? Does that make you a bad person? Whatever that answer is, right? Does it make, because neither way is a good answer. Right? No. There's no happy ending to that, to that question, right? So that doesn't make you bad. Therefore, it's all circumstantial, mm-hmm. right? You start off with the base nature of who you are, and everything else around you, your environment, leads to the to the nurturing of who you are today. Yeah. Right? When that environment changes, you are going to change. And that is true of every NPC, every big bad evil guy, every monster that I've had in any campaign. I'm always asking why. Right? And honestly, I have yet to really have a bad guy that's been bad. Yeah. This Capital E evil. No, not really. Misunderstood, angry, vindictive, wronged, jealous, selfish, pissed off, but not not evil. Yeah. Right? And the moment that you go, and start twirling your mustache, you are not engaging. Yeah. So that's that's me. Yeah, fair enough. Good question. Good question, Crystal. You set me off a bit there. 14. On the black black table. On the black table. At Kick-Ass Laura asks... 
Oh, kick-ass Laura. She comes up my feet all the time. All the time. Why are you guys so awesome? Oh, my God. A litany of reasons we don't have the time to discuss here. <laughs> she has cool hair. Terry, why are you so awesome? Uh, cool I have hair? cool hair. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Why am I so awesome? I don't awesome? like cool hair. Here's why I think I'm awesome. Oh, God. I Get ne- comfortable, folks. I never... Okay. <laughs> First of all... Thanks, Dan. First of all, I rarely self-promote myself. I don't. I do not. How often do you self-promote others, Terry? <laughs> self-promote... Yeah, good point. Because I'm not smart. <laughs> I, I am actually quite humble and modest. I am. I am, Dan. It's if you notice well people will point no, out. You really out. you really truly are. And as much as you kinda have the me. persona on the internet of not, you really truly are hey, one of the most. Everyone's got their character. Don't tell them it's not real, alright? <laughs> and I never woke up a day in my life wanting to hurt anybody. And I think I genuinely believe if we just try and help each other, we'll get through all of this bullshit and it'll be alright. But on the flip side, sometimes I do feel selfish. I'm like, fuck you guys. No one's helping. Not you two. Fuck you guys. No one's helping me. So I'm just going to take what I want. But i got to rein that in sometimes. I, I, I think everybody's like that yeah. to, to a degree. Everyone has their moments. Dan, why are you so awesome? Um, I have a really good ability in choosing friends. That was, this is that, a trap. This is that, a trap. That, 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 that was a strange self-compliment. Because I know both of us. Yeah. And I know who's yeah. <laughs> Adam? Oh, uh, generations of... Selective breeding processes. Yeah. <laughs> Red dye. <laughs> uh, you guys give really quick answers. Now we're this big rambling thing. Talking about how I'm not. It's, it's like the exact opposite of every other regular episode. Talking about how I'm, I was like, I'm so modest. I rarely talk about myself. Here's five reasons why I'm fantastic. <laughs> uh, I rolled a 10. Uh, Pepperine again. You have other hobbies. Or has D&D taken up your entire life? Dan? I occasionally enjoy being a parent and, and a husband. Um, These are not hobbies. <laughs> D&D has taken over much These of my life. These are legal requirements. <laughs> no, um, I, I've played Warhammer 40k for a long time. I enjoy comic books. And and uh, Adam and I are both very big cinemaphiles. Like we, we love watching movies. Cinephiles. Cinephiles, sure. <laughs> um, we both love it, uh, watching movies and uh, TV shows. <laughs> Um, just, you got the name wrong of the thing that you were saying you were. Well, you you said humble, but you meant egotistical. <laughs> <laughs> I was at least close, Terry. God, I was on the wrong end of the spectrum. Uh, You're but, on a spectrum. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh shit! I'm not. The gloves are off. This is an audio medium. I want everybody to know that I'm not laughing at that in the slightest. But uh, that will be contributing to a charity. Uh, probably my biggest hobby. I'm a musician. Um, I, I enjoy making music and, and uh, mixing sound and whatnot. So I, I enjoy doing that. And uh, carpentry as well. Um, I'm not a carpenter. Well, I'm still a carpenter, but I don't work in the carpentry field anymore. Um, so now all my tools are at home and I get to just go and... Build bondage furniture. Well... N- one in every episode. <laughs> one in every episode, sure. <laughs> Telling you, man. Uh, no, but I, I'm, I'm honestly looking into plans for building... D&D tables and dice towers and uh, custom DM screens and and lovely little things like dice boxes and lovely little things like that. So um, I get to actually be a hobbyist woodworker Mm. again, which is which is something I'm really looking forward to and cooking. I do a lot. Um, But anyways, Terry, man, well, I don't have that many hobbies, hobbies outside of D&D. What are we getting into winter? I like skiing a lot. Um, 
I'm pretty actually pretty good. At are you skiing or snowboarding? What are, what's your? I ski. I have a lot. Of thank kids. you, thank you. Yeah, and you didn't let me finish the sentence. Oh fuck you. <laughs> but I got a lot of years experience. I learned to ski in the army years ago, and they they don't they only recognize skiing in the British army. They don't recognize it very proper. But snowboarding is not for British people. It's a bloody barbarian sport. We'll have no part in it. <laughs> <laughs> we only ski. We only ski in Her Majesty's army. So that's what I got trained after. I, I especially love when uh, Terry starts talking through his nose <laughs> not just down it yeah <laughs> uh, but I'm learning I'm, I'm learning a snowboard as well so uh, uh, but when it's not winter the other type of boarding I do I longboard all the time everywhere I go yeah. unless I have to drive somewhere my longboard is my primary mode of transportation and uh, now I work out like a motherfucker but I eat like shit that's my hobbies cool Adam all right, so um, I have a long-distance relationship, and uh, the thing that's really different between that and a regular relationship is in a regular relationship, you can sit on the couch and do nothing together. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You cannot spend time together unless you are actively spending time mm-hmm. in a long-distance relationship. You are on that phone, and you are talking about something. Even if it's stuff you said a million times before, and you're just saying it a different way, or you are just catching up on the... on the, uh, Dan's nodding. He's like, yeah, I've, I've done this. I've done this, yeah. I've done it, too. Yeah, so... And I love it. It's absolutely fantastic. But between that and work, I play D&D on Sunday. I wake up Sunday morning and I do my podcast prep. D&D Sunday. Monday after work is D&D. Tuesday after work is D&D. Wednesday after work is a podcast recording. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I know that I also record a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thursday, I tend to spend time with my dad. That, that's something that I do. Good so, to have it scheduled in. Um, well, I have to. Uh, and so on Friday, we uh, or I have my one day of me time. This is when I do all of my laundry and all of my grocery shopping and every errand I have to run. And Saturday is maps. So D&D. So D&D is <laughs> D&D my D&D and maps, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I get. That's, that's it. I miss reading. Yeah, me too. I've, too I've, I've got like a, a chunk of books that are just sitting um, on my bedside table. And it's like, I want to read each and every oh, one of these, I but know. I cannot find the time. Well, anymore. I, I got to schedule it in, right? Like, yeah. and, and honestly, the thing that I haven't talked about is the fact that I don't just do like... I helped with so much of the editing through through October, yeah. right? Like, I was all over the editing process, and I've learned a bunch of that, and I'm still doing some of it, right? I do the secondary show, yeah. and, and Dan does does the main one. Um, I am involved in prepping three campaigns, yeah, which means that I often spend my free time, because there's a three-hour uh, time difference, right, for my relationship. She's in bed by eight my time. By 8.15, I'm taking notes on what happened, or I'm prepping for the next thing, or I'm listening to a D&D podcast, or I'm trying to come up with the next thing to, that yeah. I'm able to do. I don't breathe. D&D right. takes up you're, a lot of time, but it's not, you're right, it's not just playing. It's You know what, I would say like one of your hobbies is like creative writing. That's what you do. You're set oh, there and you're Yeah, you're I, I, I think that's kind of where I was heading was yeah. I do read, but I read D&D shit. I listen to podcasts, but it's D&D stuff. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, it's not actual plays. That's a general rule, but it is it is D and D stuff. I'm listening to every other how to D and D podcast out there to be like, well, I disagree with that shit, and wow, they did that terribly, and <laughs> we can do better than that, and then we don't. But yeah, <laughs> but, but we try. But we try, and that's what what matters is I show up prepped. <laughs> Meaningful glances. Present I'm pause. Always prepped. I'm always in some varied way prepped. I always show up. I don't anymore. And I bring but with my laptop, all my highlighted notes, good to go. 
Dan's like printing it off as we walk through the door. Yeah. But uh, no, my phone blows up with with Facebook messages about D&D, Instagram messages about D&D. Mm-hmm. I'm checking out a couple of Discord servers that are regular to D&D and those things just, oh, you have 983 new, new notifications. Yeah, I find, and, I find Discord servers are hard to follow when they get super active and I have like a million channels. Yeah. It, it's really hard to follow. So I, I'm looking around going, well, what else can I do? I like writing. I like drawing. I'm not good at it, but I like it. Maybe we should build some PDFs and put some content out and it, that'd be a lot of fun. Hell, I do all that for my my D yeah. groups anyway, but it's all my shorthand notes. I don't have time to even edit, let alone create new stuff, right? Yeah. So, so honestly, D and D is my life, and yeah. that that is it. And one day, one day, I will be a player no, and not prep. I, I I have promised to you that I will run an extended campaign with you in it. I just don't know when. <laughs> I don't know if you will be a player because you're one of those rare people, Adam, where you have a combination of a creative mind and a details mind in the same, and they come together, and that's why D&D is perfect for you because you want to create, but you also want to make systems and procedures and, yeah. and spreadsheets. Yes, that's true. I do love spreadsheets. You do. We're actively working off of Excel spreadsheets right now. Right. Anyway. Anyways, uh, my turn. Your turn, Dan. Going to grab the red dice. 19. Done it, I think. That is 19. No, it isn't. Uh, she underscore Hulk underscore out All right. asks how to make the sexiest character possible. And and I'm the one who rolled this? Yeah. Good luck, Dan. <sighs> um, First, you start I'm, with a gnome. Uh, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to give you a hint. Make them taller. Dan, you're very tall in real life. Yeah, I'm 6'1". Yeah, that is... Okay, 6'1", 6'2", is the sexiest of heights. Okay, cause, Thank you. Because anything after that starts getting weird. Yep, you're not wrong. I have a, I have a group of friends. They are 6'7", six, 6'6", six, six, and 6'5". Six, and we're all standing around a Too circle. Much in it. Uh, we were standing around a circle just talking about our kids because we're all we're all new dads. And I just remember looking up going, I'm 6'1". I am not in any way, shape, or form short. But what the shit? My neck hurts. How do people who are like 5'0 deal with life? Yeah. And for me, I forever... Just, they just look square in the nipples. But, or belly button. But you're it's a sexy height for you, but I'm forever walking around telling people that I'm five foot eleven and three quarters, which I am. I'm quarter inch up being six feet. It's funny this question came from Danny actually, because he, she called me out on that and said, Somebody's mad that they didn't hit six feet. And I'm like, Yeah, I am. All of my life. <laughs> forever. Yeah. Um so yes, start tall, I guess. Um boost the charisma stat through the roof. Probably play a tiefling so you have a little bit of that exotic accent. And that could be either male or female. Uh, I don't know. This isn't. I would just have a high charisma tiefling. Mm. I or an Acemir. Uh, I don't know. I think it would be a challenge to do like a objectively sexy dragonborn. And they one hundred percent should be a bard. <laughs> Thank you for writing that out on a piece of paper, Adam. <laughs> Adam's, Adam's throwing up like recipe cards of like sexy tips for death. It's like your hair. I don't have hair to flick. Do whatever. But they uh, flick their hair a lot because that's the, the question, thing sexy people do. How to make the sexiest character possible? Yes. Don't play the character, play the crowd. That's how you make something sexy. If you're in-game and you're trying to be sexy, don't try and be sexy to the character. Try and be sexy to the player because the character is an extension of them and adjust to people. Don't be... And people say be yourself, but what they really mean is adjust to other people. 
Don't be so definite on you are this person. Everyone needs to adapt to you. Yeah, it, it really plays out with like sexually, uh, sexually aggressive CrossFit chick Kogu would never work with me. Purely adapted But 100% a Terry character. Dan, that's perfect. Exactly. I need like a tender motherly type that, character. That is why you got a goblin because I'm playing to the character or to the player, Exactly. Right? You're just to the people. You don't yeah. play the game. You play the crowd. So Well put, Terry. So to say it so you don't sound like a sociopath, my answer is <laughs> listen. That's it. Just listen. No. All you have to do is listen. If, I know, women, say if I know women, they don't want you to listen to this. <laughs> no. No, no li- listen. If you want to make a sexy character, and guys, let me remind you that I made Irvindale. I created him Ugh. and both of you. God damn. Because all the girls love Irvindale. They did. They did. All the girls That's loved so Irvindale. Annoying. And then there's this new uh, Leyland. Yep. Yeah, that and you're playing shit, him the exact man. same way, and I'm just like, I hate this guy. I objectively hate this guy right out the gate. I didn't but, like because I didn't believe a word he was saying. I was but like, he I would, met you, and that, I believe you. That is because he's completely honest. There are three ways to be a sexy character. I can't believe this is what our D&D podcast is. Yeah, he's teaching people how to be sexy. Look, this is so first funny. and foremost... I am horribly underqualified for this. You are not, Daniel. The sexiest height here. <laughs> That's your only qualification. <laughs> no, dude. Man, I, get, I get beard envy from you two all the time. You see this shit going in now? It's actually, it's looking pretty decent. Thanks, you, man. Almost you, got you AstroTurf have, going You on. have nice, you know, furry cheeks. Dan, you got like, do you know what you look like right now? What? Season two, Ragnar Lothbrok. That's what you got going on now. Ooh, look at you. I'm on board with that. Yeah, exactly. No, thank you. So my answer. Is that Charlie Hunt? <laughs> Go on. Uh, no. So uh, first is listen and truly listen. Second is, be giving. Always do for other people. <laughs> and third, and almost um, more important than the other two, is maintain eye contact. While you're giving? Because I, I heard... Look, look like these are also my out. sex tips, right? <laughs> on how to be a good lover. I think you got to drop the eyes every now and again. No, listen, maintain eye contact, mm. and be very giving. Yeah. Daniel. I'm not looking at you very intentionally right now. <laughs> Terry, roll the fucking dice. But, but, Terry, but, roll the fucking no, dice. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> one, last, one last thing is, if you enunciate slowly and drop your voice, it will be incredibly Grading. effective. <laughs> Daniel. Daniel. No, I'm not looking at you. <laughs> no. What's the actor that's in the blacklist? That's in the blacklist? Oh, James Spader? <laughs> Adam sounds like Ultron, a robot destined to, and designed to destroy the world. Yeah, oh, and you it. sound like Ant-Man's sidekick, so it. fuck you. <laughs> I love it, because I was, ca- I, was, I was hanging on your every word. Thank you. I will take that with pride. I was hanging on your every word, man. There it is, right? And enunciate. Enunciate and go slowly. Don't be afraid to drop your voice to a lower register. That's all there is to it. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so Terry, roll the fucking dice. Sorry. That was my favorite question that we've ever had. 17, red. Uh, break your heroes. That's Danny from the other Daddy, account. Uh, your asks, other account. Uh, what do you think most people get wrong when creating a character? It's not Focusing on stats enough. instead of a character. Yeah, like hands down, absolutely. However, okay, that's a great answer. But I'm going to flip it on its head and do the exact opposite because that's what I do. Yeah. I'll play devil's advocate. And I will say, you're not spending enough time looking at your class features. You're spending too much time looking at your items 
and your spells. Yes. Yeah, no, I'll right? agree with you there. So you, people will forget their natural explorer, their divine sense. What's the barbarian one that no one ever remembers? The Rage. No, not, <laughs> not rage. Well, primeval awareness. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, so right. Um, there are so many passive abilities in the base class features that you are forgetting to use. Yeah. Also, I've yet to see a, a group full of players who you are using their background ability. That every background gives that one little thing. Like if you're a knight, you get retainers, or if you're a um, sage, you get that like research that, that's project. Because people like, look at two things and only two things when it comes to backgrounds. They look at the title and they look at their skill skills proficiencies. That you get, yeah. Occasionally, someone will say tools yeah. or language, but that's it, right? That's all you. They don't read the text. Yeah. yeah. Terry, do you have an answer? Oh, for what did people get wrong? Um, I don't have anything that you didn't already say. Just I, my advice is is just try not to be so numbers focused. Just try and be character focused. But I mean, we've we've covered it. No, Danny, I don't have anything on top of what Adam said. And Dan, and Dan's also here. <laughs> but God, is he tall? But that was the last question that I just didn't give an answer to. Dan, you're fucking perfect height. He's man. turning this red. Look at this. He doesn't know how to awkward handle this. Awkward as shit. I can't handle this. He's inked up yeah. as well. No, I'm, I'm, I'm the only one here that doesn't have a visible tattoo. I'm planning on getting more. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Okay, question well, nice number 21, Dan. What's your next tattoo? Um, depends on my financial status. Yeah, no. Okay, all right. But, but I mean, but, uh, I'll do it for you. I currently have planned a, a Super Mario tattoo that's going on the back of my uh, calf. Um, what, Super, of what? Luigi. It, it, no, it is Super Mario. It's stylized, Mario with an erection. Stylized at Super Mario the erection 3. Is code. It's like a little Fuck, code stop. Mushroom. Stop, just stop. Yeah. Um, but there's a little sign that says, uh, since 1985, Super Mario came out in 1985. I also came out in 1985. Um, <laughs> you kept with your word phrasing on that for sure. <laughs> um, but the second one is, uh, I want the entire like story of Jonah as a sleeve on my right arm. Um, but there's a lot of things I find comforting in, in the story of Jonah from the Bible, and I want that entire thing on my arm, um, from the fish to him getting um, uh, put out on the shore next to Nineveh to the city of Nineveh in the back with some sort of representation of God. Will it will it all fit in, on your arm? Yeah, um, I've actually it's also got that. Script, right? I've also got that roughly put out. I'm not like not the writing, like a diad. Uh, oh, you want the like a pictograph? A pictograph like, of it, but on the inside of, of my bicep will be the prayer that he says in uh, Jonah four. Um, That's badass, man. Yeah, I love it, man. I like well thought out, in depth tattoos that tell a story. All my tattoos mean something important to me. That's so. important to me. Um, I'm getting a hentai peach and Bowsette tattoo sleeve on my left arm. Adam, did you just say fucking words? <laughs> I could just say. <laughs> nice. <laughs> seriously, seriously, what did you just say? I did not understand. A hentai peach and Bowsette tattoo. What is a hentai? <laughs> Internet, please write in and tell Adam what a hentai it's is. Like anime porn. Oh, well, oh, I'm glad you didn't know. To be honest, God I'm not damn. really getting that, but I might get like a peach pinup. I think that'd be cool, nerdy. But no, I have to finish off. You this. big fan of peach? I well, I mean, who isn't? Anything right? like, leggy and blonde, I'm into. Um, but I'm more I, of a daisy guy. That tracks. All right, yeah, yeah, no. All right, I got. I'll finish the Halloween side, and then this side will be more like adventure compasses and maps and stuff. You know, I did a bit of traveling before I stopped. So cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, it would be uh, the Gemini symbol of the, the two, like, stick men, essentially, that are joined by the... Yeah, yeah. Um, with the comedy and tragedy masks on top, because my acting background and I love 
theater and everything, but also I'm a Gemini. It tracks so. with D&D &E, &E as well. Yeah, also... D&E, &E, I just said, I have no idea what I'm talking about. D&E, Dungeons and Eberron. Actually, I think that came out last month, so... Uh, yeah. Yep. Well, anyways, we should probably look into that one. <laughs> For someone asks a question we'll on the next one. Artificers. Oh, man, I really, really am excited about Artificers. Ah, a 13th class. Man, I'm excited about Artificers as well. Oh, fuck. That's how we say it in England, Dan. It's, it's art. art. Let's say it again. Artificer. Artificer. Yeah. So you hold on, hold on. Artificial. It tracks. I, I agree. That's a proper way to say it. It's putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Um, According to whose language? Artificer. 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 Yeah. Artif sure. Artificial. Aluminium. Yeah. Anyway, well, you're Canadian, so you should say aluminium as well. I I I I said aluminium in. Tennessee with my wife's family and got mocked relentlessly. Well, you tell them shut the fuck up. It's not their language. <laughs> but you have to say it in in their language. And you start with listen, y'all. I say y'all a I lot, say and I get called out. Well, I get called out up here a lot for saying y'all. Fun. I actually I was talking with is, my. Is that what it is? It's fun. Is that what it is? I, I was talking with my wife's grandma uh, today. Just she couldn't get a hold of my wife, so she called me, and she's from Tennessee. She's got a southern accent. Hung up the phone, went to go, like, do my job with my boss, and he's all like, why are you speaking like that? Like, it took me all of... Oh, you mimic people's accents, though. I right? do, and, and and I'm terrible for you it. You should see I do how he speaks after you leave the room, Terry. Cheerio. I'm from the north of England, so we don't want to talk about that. So, this has been another mailbag episode uh, for the It's a Mimic podcast. This is number four, guys. We're going to continue to do this um, about once a quarter. So, please, everybody, send your questions into us. Don't just think that it's got to be through Instagram. You can reach us at info at itsamimic.com. There's a number of different places that you can post, including uh, uh, comments on YouTube and Podbean. You can get a hold of us through, um, hell, even, even ask a question in an iTunes review. Check us out. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on TikTok now, surprisingly, which it's shocking and jarring to me that because um, I am not a young person. But there are many different ways to reach out to us, and we would love to get more questions. So please, please reach out and let us know if you have any further questions or follow-up questions to this. We will throw it all. Uh, the first 20 questions go onto the tables, and I've actually got a backlog of other questions that are going to work their way in as well. So, get your questions in early, and uh, have a Merry Christmas. Yeah. Happy Christmas. Happy Holidays, for those of you who don't don't celebrate Christmas. But uh, Happy Candle Nights. Can that's a, that's candle an Nights? That's another thing, yes. Is that, like, very festivist to the rest of us? Kinda, yeah. I hate it. Oh, I love it. You would. Mm -hmm.